Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Getting your life back with Cade Cooper. Today, I'm, I'm real excited. Um, this here is Ryan Brinkerhoff, and uh, he grew up in the same hometown as me, and um, you know, took me under his wing in a lot of ways, and actually kept me out of a lot of trouble in high school. And um, he's been really instrumental in a lot of ways in my life and in specific times and some I've talked about in my story and some I'm going to talk about today. Uh, Ryan single-handedly saved me from a bacteria years ago that would have killed me and when a hospital had refused me and misdiagnosed me. But I want to talk about his story and you know why he does what he does. Um, talk about his business as well because you know in, in my study of the human body um, you know, and, and being a recovering addict, I, I, I believe in actually healing the problem. The reason I love therapy is therapy heals the problem. Orion, at his core, has healed I don't know how many thousands of people, but it's, it's personal for me in a way, and I'll, I'll share with you how, how, how that went. But we'll, we'll let Ryan kind of introduce himself and go from there. Well, thanks, Coop. That was a, quite a nice introduction, bud. Yeah. yeah it's. Uh it's good to have you down here and everything like that, and I'm stoked that you're taking this path and, and inspiring other people to do the things in the life that they, um, you know, that they want to do and, and need to do to have a better existence. So, um, yeah, like Coop said, I'm Ryan Brinkerhoff. Um, grew up in the small town of Fillmore with this Yahoo. He's a few years younger than me. Um, and he's then, better looking, but well, he's lying about that <laughs> part of it all. But anyways. Yeah, so we, um, we've had a friendship for a really long time, and life's taken us both down some pretty dark, interesting paths. Um, and we've both overcome those types of things and become better people for it. So I think it's an awesome opportunity for me to sit here and just discuss some things with you, and just grateful you came down to do this. Appreciate it, Brink. If you want to talk a little bit, Brink, about what got you into this field, I know that you had something specifically that kind of caused a decline in your health and maybe give people a little background as to what brought your life to where it is. Okay, yeah, so now I, um, I have a business called Inside Out Hyperbaric and Wellness, St. George, Utah. We do a lot of hyperbaric oxygen therapy. You can see one of the chambers here behind us and others back here. And um, it, it wasn't my normal la life path. Um, I always knew I should be in health and wellness, but life took me a different direction. I was in uh, fuel communications for over 20 years and um, in 2009, I got a major concussion one night and then lost my health literally overnight. Um, all sorts of symptoms from um, grand mal seizures, uh, diagnosed with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, a chronic fatigue syndrome like when it was time to sleep, you had to sleep. And I would fall asleep for like 15, 20 hours at a time, didn't matter where I was. Um, and that went on for quite some time. Then I started developing more neurological symptoms, um, which a neurologist said at first was MS and then changed his diagnosis to ALS. And um, I lost two uncles who were like big brothers to me. I mean, I loved them dear when they died really young. And that couldn't be a path for me. I was like, I, it's got to be something else. And so fell back uh, on a background of a little bit of microbiology that I had and started studying my blood with a colleague of mine at Dixie State University. And we ended up finding a bacteria in there that um, we knew could imitate these types of autoimmune disorders. And even though I went over to the normal hospital and got tested for it four different times, um, my neurologist and every one of them came back negative. He says, well, you know, it looks like that bug on, on the screen. 
Um, and we know that bug can mimic these things, but the tests say it's not that bug, so it's not that bug. And I was just like, well, you know, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, you know, it's probably going to be a duck. So that set off this whole other adventure of mine of, first off, trying to get a diagnosis of what it actually was, and then the, you know, seemed like a never-ending uphill battle trying to gain my health back. And um, how I got into hyperbarics was in about 2016, I got about 70 to 80 percent of my health back. And no matter what I did at that point, I just stayed at that plateau. I couldn't get over that. And then uh, a business partner of mine had bought a hyperbaric chamber uh, to try to save his hips from having hip surgery because he's in pain all the time. And he says, why don't you come up and use this? And man, I got in that chamber a couple times and got out and I literally felt better than I'd felt my whole entire life. And so at that point, it was uh, very apparent to me that I needed to step out of the fuel industry where I had a lot of tenure and making a lot of money and things like that. And I opened up my little wellness center here in St. George for a very small salary, about a third of what I was normally used to making, and, and then started trying to figure out how, a way to you know, bring hyperbaric oxygen therapy to the masses so everybody could enjoy it. So hyperbaric bring explain to me exactly why it's so effective and why it's different than conventional breathing methods or different things and, and why it creates such miraculous results and then maybe all the different ways that it can help. Yeah, so basically like this chamber behind us, you get inside these pressurized chambers and um, it puts you under pressure like you're 10, 12 feet underwater and then you're breathing almost 100% oxygen while you're in there. And so that diffusion of oxygen into the plasma and into the surrounding tissue sets off a whole cascade of, of different things inside the body, physiological responses. And without getting too much into Nerdyville, um, some of the, the most important things it does is it turns off something called pro-inflammatory cytokines. So every disease process in the human body usually is fitted with some level of inflammation. And hyperbarics goes in there and tells the body, hey, we know there's inflammation, stop doing this. We don't need this much, this much swelling and inflammation throughout everything. Another thing it does is your uh, circulating stem cells go up over eight times when you're in a hyperbaric environment. And you know, stem cells have been in the news for about a decade. Everybody knows about them, but it's uh, basically a cell that can go anywhere in the body and become any cell that it needs to. So if you have neurons in the brain that are damaged, if it's a knee that's hurt, if it's kidneys, liver, if those stem cells get to where they need to go, they can transform themselves into that cell and start to repair damaged organs or tissues. Um, and then my other favorite thing that hyperbarics does, um, which a lot of people desperately need these days, is we have two nervous systems in our body. We have our sympathetic nervous system and our parasympathetic. Our sympathetic is our go, 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 we gotta get everything done, adrenaline-based, you know, never sleep, never rest, and that's what most Americans are, are stuck in 24-7, you know, and our other nervous system is our relax, repair, rebuild, recover. And when you get in a hyperbaric environment, once you get to pressure, that sympathetic nervous system starts getting pulled down and that parasympathetic gets pushed up. And it is such a calming, unbelievable, awesome effect in the body that there's a lot of people who used to struggle with severe anxiety and depression that now just use hyperbaric oxygen therapy treatments to take care of their problems instead of pharmaceutical pills. So um, kind of in a nutshell, those are the, the, the biggest things that I really love about hyperbarics. So my, my buddy Clint brought, bought one a while back, right? And uh, he had used it for a while and he let me actually use it at my house. And 
Yeah, the, I have a dog. He's he's a toothless Yorkie that I, I, I don't think is ever going to die. You know, every time I come home, I always wonder if my dog's dead when I see him because he had to have all his teeth removed, so his tongue just hangs out of his mouth and he's laying dead. So, you know, it's kind of a... How old is he? Yes, he's 14 now. Oh, nice. So when he was 11... I got this hyperbaric chamber and um, I, I, I asked Brink, you know, and I, I ended up putting him in there with me and I think I did it for 60 days. Well, within 60 days, like I, I lift a lot, it had healed all the, the aches, pains in my body. My, my mental acuity or my sharpness was, was just top notch, right? My ability to recall information was really good. With me, I tend to hyper focus a lot, especially when I'm stressed, but I, I, I found that I was able to still recall where I had set things or put things and I also found a, an increased ability to turn off negative emotions that I didn't right. want to have which was crazy but the most and I and I gained about 10 pounds of muscle without doing anything else but the most crazy thing was this dog at the time was 11 years old had severe arthritis uh, he put on three pounds of muscle at 11 years old he went from eight pounds to 11 pounds and and his uh his arthritis just disappeared yeah. like he just started leaping up and down the stairs and he still is the same as he was and you know he's I truly think we don't deserve dogs like like I agree he he's the neatest little thing but he's so special to me because when I got divorced with my wife that that little dog was the constant right he was he was such a uh, an emotional support to my little girl and he still is to this day so you know, that, that was a really neat way in which I saw firsthand just an absolutely amazing effect of, of, of um, hyperbaric oxygen chambers. So I have some personal experience. I want to shift for a second, though, to a, a couple okay. stories of, of Brink and I. And we're, we probably better not share the high school ones because <laughs> I, I think our hearts were in the best place. But, you know, just, well, maybe. just like the movie um, Ace Ventura would never be accepted to be made today, yeah. um, the stuff probably wouldn't be viewed good. So I think we did the best we could with the knowledge we had. And we'll, we'll just uh, leave that where We'll keep that be. there. And, hey, if, yeah. if we hurt you, we're sorry. So, <laughs> But... In my story, I talk about a time when I went down to Las Vegas. And if, if you want to see that story, it's episodes two through four of my story. And, you know, when I first got um, given Adderall, I called Ryan and he pleaded with me not to take it. And, you know, I had already taken some and, you know, I just, I didn't listen. I don't know if you remember, Brink, but on the 4th of July, you saw me manic. Yeah. So well, when we were at the swimming pool, yeah. and you and your brother came in and I went, Coop, come on. So I, that's, that's when I, the, 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 the mania had kicked into my brain. So I, I have fragmented memories of seeing Ryan that day. <laughs> and then I forgot I was at the 4th of July because I was just, uh, I, you know, from, from what I understand, I think my cortisol was shot up so high in that situation that it just, anyway, I, I go into all that stuff in my other episode. So a few years later, I had went down to Vegas and, uh, you know, I was in a, a bad spot and I talk about it, right? And I, I, I took 770 milligrams of Vyvanse, which is, yeah, it's a lot. Dude, you're lucky your heart didn't stop. It's a lot, right? Yeah. So I made some very bad decisions and uh, by the next morning I'd, I'd spent about $3,000 and the person, <laughs> the person I called was Brink and I was like, Ryan, I need, I need, I need a, 
What it, time was it in the morning when you called <laughs> me? It was probably like six in the morning. Yeah. Of course, I wasn't asleep. I'm like, I need $3,000. Yeah. And he's like, oh, why do you need $3,000? I'm like, well, you know, I made a bad decision. And I, I you know, before I was lucid, because right as, as soon as I became lucid, I went home and told, told my poor ex-wife what had happened. But at this point, I just wanted to replenish the bank account. And then I was like, I have money and I'll, I'll get it back to you. But he sent me, he sent me a video and um, you can look it up on YouTube if you, if you type in unbreakable motivation. And to this day, as I've worked with people, it, it, it's one of the single most powerful videos I've ever seen. And it just had a way of empowering me. Where, where did you find that video? Well, I found that video when I was in my darkest days of my, my chronic illness. And whenever I'd hit a low point, just think I can't do this anymore. I just need to, you know, cash in my chips and be done and everything like that. I flipped that. Uh, it's called Unbroken is the name of it. Yeah. Motivational video by, I think, the Matsuo is who put it out there. But in all reality, I've probably watched that video two or 3,000 times in my life because it always picked me up from my place and go, yeah, you're in a bad spot here, but there's so much more adventure in life and things to live for. You just have to keep pushing and, and, and moving forward. And so, and, and the funny story about your Vegas thing, I remember at first you tried to tell me a story that <laughs> you got into a taxi, you'd left your wallet in there, right? Yeah, that was a lie I was telling everyone else. Yeah, that's what you told me. You're like, oh, Brink, I'm heading to the airport. I got in this taxi, I left my wallet. And I'm in a bad place, and then I just got quiet for a minute. I'm like, Coop, where'd your money really go? <laughs> <laughs> and then you gave Cleet and told me about it. And, and I'm glad you reached out to me, though. Um, I, I'm glad you called me, because I could tell that you were in a kind of an interesting spot. And, and I wanted you to be honest with me first. And, and I think everything worked out from there. And I, and I love, Ryan, that you didn't give me... He had the means to give me the money. The money obviously would have hurt me, but it was just, I believe in you. You know, and even after the, the mania, when I thought my mind was broken, there was just, Coop, you're not, you're not broken. Yeah. There's just certain things. So, you know, there's been a ton of things, but this next story, you know, I want to share with you, which is, which really saved my life. So when COVID hit, in uh, March 2020, right before it really hit, right, I went on a, a singles cruise out to Jamaica. And right before that, I, you know, this, this wonderful hairline's a tattoo, you know. Um, Tia Wallen does it with Microdot Studios, so I'll do a plug for her while I'm here. So I, I had all these little indentations in my head, or basically little, you know, lesions. And then also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so awesome when I spray houses that I don't look at the house and I can't tell you how many times I've just ran into a house. And so I had a huge cut in my forehead, right? And so we're out there one day and there's this freshwater place in Jamaica called Blue Hole. And we went there and, you know, as I look back, it was an interesting day because it, the water wasn't blue. The water was brown and none of the locals got in the water. And, you know, I didn't really want to get in much, but I, I, I swung off a rope, I got in, and I got out. And so I got home, and about a week after I got home, it was interesting because I was also quitting drinking energy drinks, which is, you know, something I probably eventually should, should do again. But, yeah. but well, that's, you know, one, For another day. one thing at a time. Right. I remember Monday I started to feel sick. By Wednesday, I was hurting so bad, I, w I was starting to shake, and, and my back was just in extreme pain. And I had kind of convinced myself it was caffeine withdrawals, but I'm like, I've been through, I've withdrawn from some hard, sub, some hard substances. And I was telling my buddies like, 
these energy drinks are no joke. Well, eventually the pain started to get really, really bad. And so I went to this hospital and I won't name it right now, but I went to this hospital and, um, you know, they took me in and they thought for sure I had COVID. And again, it was extremely new. No one knew what it was. Everyone was freaking out. So they put me in a big old hazmat suit and they did a test and they said, okay, it'll, it'll be four, you know, four days before you get a result. Well, before I called Ryan, because out of anyone I know, and, and I spent a hundred thousand studying the human body myself after I went into mania, because I was obsessed with trying to figure out what was right so through my through my studies in a different part of the country at the time i was constantly learning from ryan as well so i called him and he's like send me your labs when they test you send me your labs and so they're like you're fine your, your levels are all fine you know go home you know make sure that you 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 quarantine and then we'll get back to you so i i sent him my levels and um what alarmed you about him? you remember yeah well the first thing was is the uh, creatinine clearance was through the roof, you know, coming out of the kidneys and also something called the GFR, which is kind of a, a marker to let you know how well the kidneys are filtering, was really, really low almost at the beginning of renal failure, like the first stage of renal failure. And then that lit led to, you know, asking some other questions and the, um, the, the symptom that you gave me of your calf muscles being yep. so tight they felt like they were going to explode yep. and it popped into my head you've been in Jamaica and then the first question I asked you is did you go swimming into the blue hole and because of studying infectious disease stuff for a very long time and when, when he said yes I, I kind of had a feeling of what exactly the problem was and it was a situation that needed to be dealt with in a timely manner because the infection you picked up can kill you um, and usually the first things that go are the kidneys. And so your, your blood work was already showing the, the renals failure, that they weren't working very well. And I was down here in St. George just freaking out. I knew, I knew you were in trouble, so. So the, the hospital said I was fine. So I leave and I call and he looks at these and he's like, Coop, you need to go back in right now. And I'm like, it's 10 o'clock at night. I don't feel good. And he's, he's almost at the point of tears. Get tested for something called leptospirosis. And so I go back to the hospital, it's 10 at night, I show back up and she's like, what do you want? I'm like, I want you to test me for leptospirosis. And uh, you know, she's like, well, you've already been released. You're gonna have to pay to be readmitted. I'm like, I, I don't care. Like I need to be tested. And so they start to bring me in and the doctor is some gal that was there and she looks at me and she says, tell him to get out of here. And they sent me home. So the next morning I wake up and my pain is just, uh, you know, it, it's like an 11 out of a 10, right? So I, I call Ryan and he hooks me up and I'll find out who this is. I can't think of the exact name, but I want to give this guy credit because through Ryan and him, he saved my life. And I went and met with him and he had never heard of leptospirosis, but this guy had already done his research when I got there. And I believe it's part of the Spirella family, isn't it? Yeah, it's part of the... Uh, um spiroketal family. So. Right. So is that the Lyme disease? Lyme disease, um, syphilis, and leptospirosis. Those are all the big boys in that category. So, so this one comes from rodent droppings, right? And so what will happen is when it rains, 
it'll get filtered into the water. So the reason the Jamaicans weren't getting in the water is because they're not dumb, right? So it was messy. And so it's, it's horrible what happens out there. And they're absolutely complicit in what happens all the time. I, I checked the Ministry of Jamaica and they're going there and searching and saying there's no, there's no signs of leptospirosis. Well, they probably went on a very clear day or didn't do an accurate test. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that have gotten leptospirosis, that have went out to Jamaica. So it always sets off these alarms. So anyway, he gave me a, an antibiotic, which, what do you think that did, Brink? I think it saved your life because you were, I mean, once, once the kidneys get infected, depending on genetics and different things like that, um, but once the kidneys go downhill, usually renal failure is right around the corner in usually 48 to 72 hours. And so didn't he give you doxycycline, yep. which is the treatment for it, put you on an oral doxycycline and ordered the test for leptospirosis, yep. right? Is, is that how it yep. went down? So he had given me that. So it, it didn't do much to my symptoms as far as how I was feeling. So, you know, that was Thursday. By Sunday, one of my buddies came over and I was just, I was literally shaking in pain. And I'm like, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what this is. Like, and I couldn't talk and like, I, it took me, like 90 seconds to walk down 10 stairs. I felt like I was 90 years old. And they're like, Coop, this is, this is not normal. And so I was like, okay. So we, we go back to the ER, same place, right? And I get checked in and I am just writhing in pain. And as far as a physical tolerance for pain, I have a very high tolerance, but I've never felt anything like this. And the same doctor's there. And she's like, what do you want? And you know, the kind of guy I am, if I would have been feeling good, she would have heard what I wanted because I wouldn't have put up with it. But I was in so much pain. I was like, I want you to admit me to the hospital. And she's like, we've already tested you. I told you your tests aren't going to go back for four days. And I'm like, I want to be tested for leptospirosis. I already went to another doctor and he thinks I have it. And he gave me some antibiotics. She's like, then what can we do for you? And I'm like, why don't you check my creat levels? And she kind of goes quiet. And I'm like, because when you told me I was fine, I sent them to my buddy and he said that they're way off. And so she disappears and I'm sitting there just pleading to God, like, save me, help me. I can tell my body is, is shutting down. A different guy comes in and he confirms everything Ryan said. He says, you are in acute renal failure and we need to admit you right now. We probably need to transfer you to St. Mark's and put you on dialysis. It looks like your liver is, your white blood count is incredibly high. And honestly, at that point, I was just in tears because I was so happy because someone was just gonna like, you know, help me. So I go into there and I tell them I have leptospirosis. And the funny thing, I don't know if you know this, Brent, but we had another guy on the trip that was also admitted in there with the same symptoms. What are the odds, huh? And so we're both in there and, and they tested me for everything under the sun. Well, this isn't cheap. And so I'm paying for all these bills and half the time I'm awake, half the time I'm not. My head is just absolutely pounding. You know, to this day, I didn't understand physical pain to that level, but I, but I certainly understand it now. So I call another buddy who's hospitalized out in Idaho and I'm like, you need to get tested for leptospirosis because out of, I think, the 20 of us, there are five that got sick. I think he and I, the one in Idaho, got, got really deathly sick. So th they start talking and I, I, you know, I was so sick, I, I wasn't keeping in contact with Brink or anyone else and COVID was hitting, so things were chaotic. So I was, you know, I was kind of out or I was just in extreme pain most of the time. And so th they got him on a drug called Rocephrin, which is what is like a third generation 
cephalosporin and it's an injectable yep. so right into the muscle usually so the next day i wake up and i'm starting to feel better but i had told the nurse the night before call this hospital my my friends here they say they've given him something and so i'm starting to feel better right and so i think i'm there four or five days and you know by the fifth day i still don't know what i have and the the the, the, the infectious disease guys like it is not leptospirosis and he's like maybe you have aids and I'm like, well, I've been abstinent for five years. And he's like, well, are you gay? I'm like, well, even if I was gay, I've still been abstinent for five years. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I paid for everything under the sun because, you know, what, one thing I have hard is like, you know, in a lot of times people in positions of authority just don't want you to be right, right? right, right. And so I'm, I'm just throwing off of some quack that searched the internet. And I understand that probably complicates things, but in this case, I was right. And so eventually he comes in and I, he just says, you know, you're doing better. You're not sick enough to be here in the hospital. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. And you know, right before that, I was in so much pain. The, the, the big earthquake happened that happened in Salt Lake. And I remember sitting there, hurting and all of a sudden I'm in the top floor and the building just sways right and I was in so much pain I'm like oh that must have been an earthquake <laughs> and then I and then I forgot about it Didn't even care. the nurse comes in like 30 minutes later and she's like I'm like was that an earthquake and she's like yeah I'm like oh like that that's how much I was hurting so I'm sitting there and then this this nice woman stops by and, and you know I can tell she's sincere and she's like you know the worst for me was the headaches and they lasted a long time. And I, I'm sitting there looking at her and I'm like, do I have leptospirosis? And she's like, yes, you do. And she said, I got leptospirosis a long time ago. And she's like, I am so sorry. She's like, it is brutal. I'm like, why didn't the doctor tell me this? And she's like, well, I'm not sure, but he'll be in, right? So he comes in and says, you know, I just, I've never seen anyone as sick as you with leptospirosis. You know, I just, I didn't know, and I'm like, well, I told you I had it the whole time. So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I get two of the nicest people I've ever seen in my life. A guy and a girl come strolling in, right, and they're like, you didn't look very good when you showed up here. Now, we understand there's a big singles group. Now, tell us about that, and we just, we're sure happy you're here, and they, I think they gave me a couple things. Well, clearly, they're trying to smooth me because they had Damage control, right? They, they had screwed up. So. Yeah. By the way, I was like, you guys are horrible at your job. Like, <laughs> at least get someone that, like, it's very obvious. It, it, it's yeah. like members of the church, right? And a neighbor moves in from out of state. They want to convert them to the church. So they're like, do you want some cookies? And to <laughs> wash day. the car and to come over every day? It was, it was about to that level. So it was a little cringeworthy. So anyway, I get home. And, like, I remember driving down the street. I'm like, where's everyone on the freeway? Why is there no one at Adobe? Why is there no toilet paper? Because COVID had hit in. So I had to sit for a, a month and a half and I had a pick line, which is a big portable IV put into my arm. And I had to take this rocephrin to kill this thing. And it was so toxic that it, I had to wait in 10 minute increments just for one vial to put it in. And I could feel it just burning the insides of my body. It would make me throw up. It would make my head pound. It was almost as bad as the leptospirosis. I lost all my muscle mass. Thank goodness, you know, there, there were, COVID was there, so most of my customers were okay with, with me healing. But I wouldn't have lived. And, and no, one, no one believed me except for Ryan. And, you know, 
my kids would have been without a dad. And, and one thing I'll tell you is I am not an isolated incident with Ryan here. You know, I know people that are in stuff for money and I know people that are in stuff because they've suffered so much that they just want to heal. And this is my friend Brink and he's always been this way. So Brink, when someone comes in and is just not feeling good or tired, what's a quick protocol that you try to do to try to quickly figure out what's... Um, so, well, thanks for saying all that nice stuff, Coop. And yeah, that's, uh, that was the, the, the absolute blessing in me almost dying was it really changed my perspective of everything in, in life. Um, you know, the way I was raised and, and, you know, sports and you rub dirt on everything. And if people are weak, it's just because they're weak-minded. Well, we were phenomenal basketball players. Yeah, so that we, can, we can talk about that another time, but, you know. Um, but anyways, yeah, so I, it really changed my scope of, uh, of how I viewed the world. And there was a time when once I got better and I, and I got back into the fuel industry a little bit and, um, you know, the money was flowing in and doing all that stuff. And... And then I kind of had a, a moment of, of just really clear thought of, because when I was sick, it was unbelievable. You know, the first couple times it happened, I just thought it was, un it was coincidence, right? But the exact person that I needed to have walk into my life to help me with my next step of healing just magically showed up. Um, one of those stories is I had got some genetic work done and, and, you know, tons and tons of genetic stuff. And at that time, genetics still kind of nobody knew a lot about it. And I went to a couple doctors. They tried to decipher what it meant and nobody really knew. And I was standing in line over here at Harmon's in St. George one day. And I'm like, God, you know, I need to figure out this genetics thing. And I look at this guy in front of me and he kind of looks familiar. And, and then he turns away and then I look at him again. And I'm like, my head, I'm like, holy shit, is this so-and-so? It's... It's a world-renowned geneticist right in front of me. I'd seen him do some symposiums before online and, and try to figure out a way not to be creepy about everything, but I just had to cut in and say, look, can, can I ask you a question? I know who you are, and I've, I've been really sick, but would you mind taking a look at my genetic testing I just had done? And he walked right out to my vehicle with me because I had my folder in there, and he, we went over to Denny's, and he sat there for two hours and decoded the whole entire thing. And all throughout my health journey, exactly the person that I needed at that time in my life to help me with that next step of getting better was there. And so um, it, it kind of became clear to me that, you know, that all didn't happen for me just to go back into the fuel industry and, and do that type of stuff. So that's when I made the decision to, you know, be that light at the dark end of that tunnel for other people who are trapped in a chronic illness state and, and wave that torch and kind of be a light for them. and. And uh, it's one of those deals where I don't ever have all the answers, and a lot of the times I don't know. But when, when people are chronically ill, sometimes it means the world to them just to have somebody sit and listen to them. You know, in, in medicine, um, and then this is kind of how I felt at the first of my illnesses, I kind of realized that I wasn't even really a person to a lot of people that I was going seeking for help. I was a disease and a disease process, and, and that's all I, I, I was. I wasn't a dad of two really young children that, you know, that I still had hopes and dreams in life, and I wanted what was best for my children growing up and things in life I still wanted to do. No, I was just this disease process that was kind of confusing to people, so most of the time doors just got closed on me and says, I don't know, I need to send you to so-and-so and da-da-da-da-da. So, uh, when people walk through the door here at Inside Out, whether it's me or it's my staff, because most of my staff are 
um, ex-clients of mine as well, the people that were sick, we always open up our minds and our hearts and we, when we sit and we talk with people. And sometimes just being that air for people to, to tell you how they're actually feeling and what's really going on and then tell you about what they would like to do with their lives if they got better, sometimes that's all people really need. So um, that's where we start and then I've aligned myself with some unbelievable doctors, scientists, specialists around the country that once I get enough information of, of, of what their symptoms are, then I just turn them over to these specialists and let them do what they do. So. One thing I wanted to ask you, bring that it reminds me of the effects of hyperbaric on long-haul COVID that you've seen. Oh yeah, so um, again, without getting too nerdy and all the physiological stuff, but one of the major problems that we see with, with long-haul COVID patients is um, androgenic material from the virus um, is in the lungs and our immune system tries to go clean it out, right? Well, anytime the immune system does anything, it causes inflammation. So inflammation in the lungs causes our little airways to get smaller and smaller little sacs that we breathe through. And so even after the virus is dead, if the immune system's trying to pull that out still, those holes that we breathe through get smaller and smaller because of the swelling from the immune response. So where hyperbarics is so amazing, um, yeah, it forces tons of oxygen into the body, does amazing things that way, but where it's an anti-inflammatory it turns off that inflammation process in the lungs and allows those air sacs to open back up. So these people that have been in the ICU or on ventilators, everything like that, and have struggled for years, usually it just takes X amount of hyperbaric sessions to get those lungs to open back up. Then they all go back to life and, and do what they do, so. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I was, I was talking to Ryan a couple of days ago and the last thing I, w I wanted to kind of have him touch on is he, he had a little clip that recently went viral on TikTok. Mm. Yeah. I, but I loved what he had, what he had said in it. You want to kind of? Yeah, so um, another thing that I've, I've done and it was the, the way I really figured out what was wrong with myself was with my help of my mentors at Dixie State and Soft Cell Biological. Um, we, we look in the blood why the blood is still alive. It's something called live cell analysis and it's really shunned here in the United States. Um, you know, whatever you believe the reason on that is, but everywhere else in the world, doctors have microscopes on their desks and they use them to look at samples while, you know, the, the blood is alive, the saliva, whatever. Um, here in the United States, that's not an okay method. They kind of uh, really crack down on it. Um, but with being able to look in the blood and actually see how everything is working together, how the immune system's working, what you're seeing going on, you know, with, with clotting, what you're seeing happening with red blood cells, everything like that. Um, you can get a real good snapshot picture of what's going on and sometimes you can find some pretty th amazing things that jump off the screen at you and, and scream, this is what's going on, this is, you know, what, what your problem is here. So um, the state of Utah won't let us do that anymore and so uh, one day a week I'm in Arizona doing that and I have doctors from all over the country that fly their patients into Las Vegas and they drive up to my little office and, and we spend a couple hours looking in the blood to see if we can really pinpoint um, or give their doctors some clues that might help them figure out you know, what this mystery is that's making these people sick. You know, and, and what was so neat is, as I listened, Ryan talked about, the, if, if I'm right, the most detrimental thing to the body mm. was trauma. Yeah, yeah so that's a, that was the clip. So, um, you know, looking at blood for, I mean, it's been since 2011, you know, and when uh, my mentor was still alive at Dixie State, we were looking at, you know, 50 to 100 samples a day. 
But um, the most destruction you'll ever see on our erythrocytes, the red blood cells, you know, we've looked at people that, you know, had been bitten by rattlesnakes that have been poisoned, um, every type of destruction to cellular um, function other than ionizing and non-ionizing radiation. I've never seen anybody cook like that. But you, the, the quickest breakdown of the red blood cells um, to absolute destruction you'll see in somebody who has just lost a child or somebody who's going through a divorce. Um, I used to think the, the old phrase that, you know, you hear people say, so-and-so died of a broken heart. I was like, oh, that's, that's nonsense. They're just weak, whatever. Um, but when these people come in and they are chronically ill and you see this destruction of the red blood cells happen so very quickly, it's almost unanimous that they'll tell you that some big life emotional or spiritual event has happened. And on that clip, um, that TikTok clip, which I'm not even on TikTok, but a guy did a podcast with threw it on there, and it's had over a million views already in like three weeks. Uh, but I was just saying that, you know, we are very emotional and spiritual beings having a physical experience on this planet. And, and that's the only way I could really come up to quantify with, I mean, because there, there's people that I've had as, as my clients with live blood for 10 years, and one that was so very, um, heartbreaking for me and the, it was one of my uh, clients a female 38 39 years old and she had lost her her baby baby was like 18 months old and um, had drowned and this lady was a physical phenom before that I mean her job was physical fitness um, she ate perfect everything like that and she came down to see me about three months after this child had passed away and she's like, I'm dying, I don't know what's wrong. And when I, when I looked at her blood before this incident and after, it just, you know, it just crystallized and, and uh, just made it very more clear that exact thing that, you know, these bodies that we have and this experience we're having, they're just carriers for this soul, this light that we have inside of us. And, um, absolutely we need to get help for those emotional and spiritual problems that we have in our life or you know you can you can make blood look perfect on blood work um, you can do a lot of things like that but if, if we don't heal those emotional and spiritual wounds we can see it at our basic makeup level and it's it's hard to see i think that's so fascinating you know as i think about my father who ryan knew very well yeah. and you love johnny dearly yeah I did too. I miss pissing him off. Um, <laughs> I, lo I love him too, but the man, he had a temper. Yeah, that was, it, was a quick, huh? it was a beautiful thing to see. But you know, a lot of, I think, and bring, this has just always been what I've thought about my dad, because my dad got celiac disease and, and he didn't know it for a long time. It turned into malignant hypertension, which is a rare form of high blood pressure. Um, eventually pulmonary hypertension, which was um, high blood pressure in the lungs. Right which I think was, was the quickest thing that, you know, made me lose my father. But, you know, back when my father was growing up, um, you know, he, he owned a cafe. And my, my grandparents' start was called Cafe Eileen, and it was an incredibly successful cafe. And it was in Fillmore, this little town where we come from, right? But at the time, the freeway went through Fillmore. There was no freeway, right? So there was all this traffic into this restaurant. So my dad grew up with a lot of money. Well, when they built the freeway, you know, we ended up having a lot of money to almost not having much at all. And my dad 
with his best intentions, he, he tried to save us of any pain, right? So we didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know, and don't get me wrong, we weren't, we weren't poor, right? My parents did everything they could. But I remember him at night, a lot of time just being by himself watching TV. And if you knew my dad, like he was, he's, you know, I always say I'm my dad without therapy, you know, <laughs> therapy probably, <laughs> therapy probably would have helped with, with, with the emotional yeah. responses. But he didn't, he didn't have anyone to talk to. Therapy was not as successful. And don't get me wrong, my mother certainly saved him and he had her to talk to, but he would never share it with us. And by the way, my mom saved him from the medical community probably a, a thousand times by catching things that were wrong. She was his, his, his uh, caretaker as he was getting sick. But he never had anyone to talk to, so he took all of this stress and anxiety and this shame of, of, of being a failure when in reality he was anything but. He gave me everything he had, and, and I think that probably had a detrimental Oh, I effect. guarantee you that probably what set everything in motion. Yeah. So, you know, as I, as I talk about healing, and again, like I love to bring people on with different things because bring knows so much more about this, but, you know, my specialty is trauma, right, and helping people deal with their trauma. And I, I've spent probably 100000 on my body in, in ways of healing my gut, something called leaky gut syndrome with a lot of help from bring different things like this because it seems to me and when it comes to chronic illness, you're kind of on your own. Yeah, yeah, that's why I hear it, you know, my, I always feel like my number one job is to help people become their own healthcare advocates, and, and this isn't to say anything bad about doctors or anything like that. I have absolute dear friends that are doctors in the, the medical community, and they do a really a lot of good, um, but a lot of them are really overwhelmed with the way the system is designed, and so I spend a lot of time teaching people that, hey, you know, you need to really dig in, and you really need to start taking care of, of your life in your own ways, you know, and, and we promote healthy eating and other things like that, making sure you're getting plenty of sleep, meditation, downtime every night if you can get it. And um, yeah, it's just, I feel like I, my job is to help other people become advocates for themselves. That's really what my role is. You know, he does a fantastic job. You know, in the end, I think that we can't always control what happens to us, right? Whether, right. whether it's disease or whether it's trauma, horrible things happen, but it's up to us to get better a lot of the time, you know, and, and healing trauma quicker and processing that stuff quicker and, and stopping the effects it has on your body, I, I would imagine would, you know, negate the effects of disease later on the quicker that, you know, your body starts to regulate in a certain way, so. And it's really interesting, to, not to cut you off, Coop, no, but good. I had a buddy post something on Facebook today on, on one of my posts that, you know, really, kind of teared me up and stuff like that. A good friend of ours, uh, mine and my little brothers, commented on one of my posts. And he says, you know, yeah, this is a great thing they post and everything like that. But he's like, I never knew what vulnerability was like until I started hanging out with these Brinkerhoff boys. And their ability to be able to talk about what was bothering and what hurt them and stuff like that. He's like, it gave me the strength to be able to open up. And then once I did that, I was able to you know, start taking control back of my own life and stuff like that because, you know, where we grew up and the macho groups we ran around with, you just, you could never act like you were hurt in any way, shape, or form because you'd be a pussy and a loser and everything else they could think of calling you back in the day. And I was, you know, I was part of that group too, but sometimes just hearing somebody that you, that you love and you look up to and respect, especially when it comes to men, you know, say they're having a hard time, sometimes that's the absolute key 
for somebody else to have the courage to start digging into themselves and, and yep. have the vulnerability they need to work through trauma. So, and, and you know that's that's what I'm trying to accomplish here. It, it's it's what Ryan tries to accomplish. You know, rubbing a little dirt or rubbing a little Jesus on it, it, it doesn't always work just by itself. So, right. you know. Ryan does all sorts of different things. It's it's inside out hyperbarics dot com dot yeah. com. That's the website here in St. George. And and with these, he he sells these hyperbaric chambers. They're also available for. Yeah, we rent and lease to own. Uh, got units all over the country right now. Um, and so yeah, it's been a just an unbelievable ride and a blessing. But that was again part of my almost dying was this beautiful gift of enlightenment and this new path in life. So. We're running with it, and it's been amazing. So I'll post a link in the description with um, with this website. You know, if you know someone that is just not feeling well all the time and, and doesn't know what to do, I can't think in my mind on a, on a physical level. But Ryan's also very gifted on an emotional level with the people he talks to as well. So it's it's a, it's a rare combination of extremely good bedside manner. Where you know, if you work with people and sick people all the time, a lot of people after a while they start to lose that part of caring about each Connection, other. Connection, yeah. And 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 he's never done that. So, I would encourage you to 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 check him out, right? If 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 you're not feeling well, whatever it is, because you know I know a, a ton of people, and I have spent a lot of time in this health community, and I I truly this this is my go-to. He gets calls two, three times a year because I get the weirdest thing. I've gotten COVID three freaking times. Like I, I, I get the weirdest things happening to me all the time. So Calls at all hours of the night sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. still emotional Disappearing support. wallets. And yeah, like all, yeah. Kind, all kinds of things. So, you know, Ryan and I are both single dads. <laughs> Ryan and I both have a son and a daughter that, that we're raising. So we, you know, we connect on mobile fronts, but bald guys stick together. Right? We do, we do. I, anything I need to get tattooed? Though? Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's actually it's a good look. Coop. Thank I like you, it. thank you. I like it too. It, it's funny when I saw that you could do it. Immediately, I was like, I'm doing that. Yeah. There was there was no question about how much it cost. It, it just it just did not matter. So you know, it's so funny. Like, cause my eyebrows, they're tattooed. My eyeliner's tattooed, and like. You know, a lot of time I'll have guys be like, why'd you do that? And I'm like, well, obviously I did it to impress you. And yeah. if you don't like it, like, I'm and just... The eyeliner looks good, Coop. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. If it, you know, if, if it doesn't impress you, I'm devastated. But, you know, to me, what Ryan's describing to this, this is real masculinity. You know, real masculinity is being vulnerable. Real masculinity is not caring about what other people think if, if you will acknowledge that you're hurting. It is the ability to say that you need help. Right, mm -hmm. and, and to lose that ego and pride because I think that sometimes keeps us from from healing. So again, if, if, if you like this stuff, check Ryan out. Like I said, if, if you like this episode, you can subscribe to my podcast. It's Getting Your Life Back with Cade Cooper. Primarily, I broadcast through YouTube. It's in its infancy right now. I'm starting on TikTok because I've been told by the younger generation that it's embarrassing that I use Facebook and only old people use Facebook. Well, I'm 40 years old, so I'm kind of old. You're 40 this year, huh? Yeah. yeah so nice, bud. I, I, I need to do Instagram and these other things. But, you know, my hope in all of this, I really don't have any, you know, set standard. I just, I, I'm like Ryan in my own way. I've suffered and I just want to help people heal in any way, shape, and form. And I'm not trying to push any ideology or anything specifically on you because I think there's tons of modalities in different ways. But 
man, if I can heal from my stuff, if, if Brink can from his stuff, I, I think anyone can. So I think so too. No, oh, I love you, Brink. Love man. you too, I'm Coop. So thanks for having me on here today, today, buddy. So thanks again, and you guys have a good day.